0: Welcome back six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero your hour feel free to call in on anything you want. Uh, the Senate uh, next week will take on the impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump, and it's fraught with a lot that's in the air there's 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 a nexus and a weirdness to it because the nexus to the impeachment of Donald Trump is not for everything Democrats have said and hated about him for the last four, five years. It's founded on one day's activities and really one speech. And that day's activities and that speech was delivered on January 6th. And it has to do with the Capitol riot what i call a what i'm calling the Capitol riot i heard a commentator on the news today calling it an armed insurrection it was not i don't there's been a ton of video i saw no one brandishing a weapon um for one thing for another there are a lot of questions now you want to know what i think the democrats were up to in impeaching him so fast without witnesses without a logical claim or even a legal claim to advocacy of incitement, which is what they're charging Donald Trump with, I think they wanted to do it so fast because there were a lot of questions to be asked, the answers of which would be inconvenient to the case of impeachment. Let me try it this way. And I heard some other hosts on this uh, network talking about it today, and I'm glad they did. The difference between a real journalist and fake news. Fake news is everyone but a journalist like Byron York who is writing this today. This is what a real journalist does. He asks questions of conventional wisdom that don't have immediate answers and gets nervous or curious when those answers, which should seem obvious, are not forthcoming, okay? He asks questions about conventional wisdom that doesn't make sense and gets more curious when those answers are not forthcoming. What we don't know about the Capitol riot, he writes, the storming of the Capitol was four weeks ago. In that time, it has become perhaps the most important factor in our politics and particularly in the upcoming impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. But there are a lot of basic facts that we do not know about the riot. It is not clear when we will learn them. One, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. He was killed or died in the course of trying to repel the rioters. We actually don't know the cause of his death. It was early reported that he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. There has now been doubt and no proof of that. And there is no public reported autopsy, though he was lying in state yesterday. One of the rioters, Ashley Babbitt, was shot dead by a Capitol police officer. Three other rioters died in the violence. One from a heart attack, one from a stroke, and one from being crushed in a crowd. When you heard repeatedly that there were five people killed in this riot, it's interesting how they don't break you break it down and tell you the causes of death. All tragic, of course, let's not take away any of that. Okay? Let's not that's not what this is about. But it is interesting that two of those deaths were in any other circumstance, what one might call natural causes, a stroke and a heart attack. When you heard, Bill, that there were five people killed in the riot, did you think the story was that one of them was a heart attack and one of them was a stroke? Right. No. You thought two innocent bystanders were killed by rioters, didn't you? Yes. And Ashley Babbitt, you would have thought, was an innocent bystander. No, she was actually one of the perpetrators of the riot. Unarmed and shot, by the way. Are there any investigations into the police who shot her? I thought we didn't like the shooting of unarmed, unarmed suspects. And, of course, we don't know the full situation and death, cause of death for Brian Sicknook. Okay. Information about the action. Don't you think all that is sort of important? If five people were killed and they're going to tell us five people were killed, don't you think causes of death are important? I do. Information about the actions or alleged actions of individual rioters is becoming public in bits and pieces as prosecutors file charges against them, York writes. Some facts about the injuries sustained by police are also available in filings in those cases and in statements from the Capitol Police Union. And anyone can get a partial picture of what happened through dozens of videos on the Internet. But that is just stitching together information from here and there. Capitol police officials, whose officers were the main force that tried to keep the rioters from breaching the Capitol, have not made any comprehensive statement about what happened. Did you know that? That's why people can say almost anything they want about it. That's why someone can write in the Arizona Republic that they were shocked or their jaw was on the floor seeing thousands of rioters storm the Capitol. I have never seen a story that said there were thousands. The best I can find is the highest number I can find reported is up to 400, up to 400. Byron York says, a week ago, I sent the Capitol Police a list of questions about the riot. It's not an exhaustive list. It just asks for some basic facts about the violence and the aftermath. Here are the questions. You would think we would know these answers. Oddly, we don't. How many Capitol Police officers were injured in the riot? What were their injuries, and what is their condition now? Did Capitol Police confiscate any firearms from rioters? If so how many and what type? What is the status of the investigation into the killing of Officer Sicknick? Is there, any, is there an autopsy report for Officer Sicknick? If so, will it be released to the public, or is its key findings going to ever be released? What is the status of the investigation into the shooting of Ashley Babbitt? Has it been ruled a justifiable shooting? Who was the officer who shot Miss Babbitt? Boy, we sure know the names of officers who shoot unarmed suspects all the time, don't we? Did any other officers discharge firearms during the rioting? If so, under what circumstances? Did any rioters discharge any firearms during the rioting? If so, what circumstances? Under what circumstances? Capitol Police, York rights have not responded to the questions, including a follow-up email and phone calls. Um, as Chris Hayes of MSNBC pointed out on January 27th, many of these questions or facts are the kind of thing that are quickly released in the routine course of an investigation, and yet they have not been. The answers to these questions and more are important. The Capitol riot will echo through our politics for a long time, York writes. It will be the foundation of the Democratic House manager's case in the impeachment trial of former President Trump starting next week. It will be the subject of multiple investigations, including some sort of high-level commission. The investigation will likely go on for a long time, yet there is much more we should know right now. If only the Capitol Police would tell us. I'll tell you what's interesting about that as well. Here's what's interesting about that as well. Um, Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, said that the White House is going to be investigating the rise of quote-unquote domestic violent extremism. She, she said, and I quote from the transcript, Transcript. the Biden administration will confront this threat with the necessary resources and resolve. We are committed to developing policies and strategies based on facts, on objective and rigorous analysis, and on a respect for free speech and political activities. Our initial work on domestic violent extremism will broadly fall into three areas. The first is a tasking from President Biden sent to the Director of National Intelligence, requesting a comprehensive threat assessment coordinated with the FBI and Department of Homeland Security on domestic violent extremism. And this assessment will draw on the analysis from across the government and as appropriate non-government organizations. This is the first step in our process, and we will rely on our appropriate law enforcement and intelligence officials to provide that analysis. Has no reporter seen fit to follow up on what looks like a domestic surveillance program against domestic enemies of the United States? Is this not a big deal when the White House tells you it's going to be focusing on one-sided political domestic violent extremism? I think it's worth a question or two. They're tying January 6th to this effort to purge conservatives from the public sphere. This is our concern. 602-508-0960. Call on this or anything else. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show. Um, Did you read uh, Miranda Devine's piece uh, today on the January 6th? Uh, goings-on in the New York Post, critical reading, critical reading, noxious Nancy's cynical timing. Um, She writes, Nancy Pelosi took hypocrisy to new heights during the memorial for the police officer who died after the Capitol riots, and that's saying something for her. The newfound faux reference for law enforcement from the House Speaker Reverence for law enforcement from the House Speaker and her defund the police comrades after cheering on and inciting violence against cops most of last year is grotesque. Despite Pelosi's nauseating insincerity as she presided over the two-day commemoration of Brian Sicknick, the dignity and grace of his grieving parents and police colleagues mercifully elevated the honors high above her tawdry political opportunism. Because, of course, what else is it but cynical opportunism of Pelosi to wait 27 days after his death to offer his family the opportunity to bury him with full honors less than a week before the second impeachment show trial of Donald Trump. Anyone ever think about that? 27 days and we'll do it just a couple of days before the impeachment of Donald Trump so that that emotion can run riot throughout the Senate trial. It's for the same reason Pelosi talks about, quote, the enemy within, unquote, about suspected Trump supporters, whether Republican colleagues or the thousands of National Guardsmen she keeps in the freezing cold as human props around the Capitol to traumatize its occupants and remind the world of the horrors of those who support Donald Trump. Her drama queen Alexandria Ocasio accused Senator Ted Cruz of trying to murder her that day, labeled Republican members of Congress insurrectionists and released hours of Instagram videos reliving her terror as a non-existent mob banged on her door and forced her to hide in a bathroom even though her office is in a separate building from the Capitol. As Nancy Mace pointed out, my office is two doors down. Insurrectionists never came down our hallway. It was a police officer who was knocking on Cortez's door to evacuate her. She said he looked at her with anger and hostility. Might she just thank him? Might she just say thank you? You would think. You might just say thank you to a police officer now that Democrats have found newfound respect for them rather than saying he terrorized you with fear and malign intent. It is interesting AOC's story and how it's unraveling. Will there be a price? No. Is it more inventive and extremist than what Marjorie Taylor Greene said? I think so. I think so. It's certainly more contemporary, and it's certainly said as a member of Congress and not a private citizen... And she hasn't disavowed it, as Marjorie Taylor Greene has. By the way, she's been stripped of her committee assignments. And Liz Cheney has been voted uh, in to retain her chairmanship of the House Republican Conference. I don't think either vote really should have taken place the way they did. We can talk about that, too. Rob's in surprise following up on what he requested yesterday. Hi, Rob.
1: Well, yeah. Hi, Hi Seth. Um, thanks. I missed the monologue because I was getting an MRI on my hand for
0: some stupid reason. But Well, I'll then, this is the gr- perfect opportunity for me to remind <laughs> everyone that if they miss the monologue, they can go and get it on YouTube.
1: That's right. Um, also, but I did, on my way home, I did listen to Annie Biggs, and then, I, of course, when I got home, I listened to Debbie Troy, which was uh, wonderful stuff. But as I was thinking about things in general and by the way i completed a course on the intro to philosophy at hillsdale college and got a 100 on my quiz oh training. nice who taught it um, who was the teacher <coughs> um i can't remember his name that's all right but, you, as long as you remembered what,
0: the pl- plato and aristotle
1: that's right the, the the teacher actually said i'm not the instructor the instructors are plato aristotle and socrates
0: isn't that a great thing for a professor to say
1: it's a beautiful thing. And and I thought about all this stuff in my head, and I realized what the conservative movement really owns is that which is just and good and right. Mm-hmm. All of the things that, you know, the, the original thinkers that created Western civilization uh, thought back then, and we now carry it. Uh, because certainly the left and the Dems and the progressives don't. So maybe that's something that we need to echo, reinforce, and promulgate to the general public, that, you know, we are the side of justice, we are the side of truth, we are the side of that which is right. We are, and, and Andy Biggs had mentioned, you know, God, well, or the lack of it on the Democrat side, and I think we own that too. Did and I write these things down? Things.
0: Right, justice, truth, and right. Did I get those correctly? As you said, them justice. Yeah, okay, those well, speaking? yeah. Okay. It's,
1: it's from the Republic. I mean, okay. just truth, right, and of course music, uh, which is great for the soul, because they were talking about the soul as well. Mm-hmm. And music came from the muses, which,
0: right? The you know, poetry of the, right.
1: and and uh, great thoughts and so forth. I think we American conservatives own all of that and need to make sure that everybody knows that because once all the lies have been exposed by the left, the media, the Democrats, just like AOC, I mean, a total lie, we are the ones that stand for truth. We really are. And maybe that's what needs to be pushed more because, you know, we can't believe the media. We can't believe what what they are telling people. And we don't believe any of that because we believe in all of the good things, justice, truth, what is right, and God.
0: Okay, so here's the real challenge, I think, because I agree with what you said, but here's the challenge. The challenge is, we, we say that we have a, a certain firmament in our mind of what that means. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Those are phrases. They play with them a little over there on the other side, but they think they have it. Now, they will talk. You talk about justice. They will talk about social justice. We will but talk about. Uh, I know. Hold on. Bear with. Right. So hold on. Bear with. I, they, we, I like what you've done here. We will talk okay. about truth. They will talk about my truth. Mm-hmm. We will talk about right. They will talk about right and wrong. Yep. And then they will use God, of course, only as it's convenient to them. It often happens around Christmas time in the Middle East and around immigration policy. Now I've opened up a big can here, so take the commercial break with me and we'll come back to it, okay? Because the point is Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't leave me. Because the point is this. How do we have this conversation with the rest of the country or the left when we have the problem of of definitions. Do we have a good definition of justice that everyone agrees on? Do we have a good definition of truth that everyone agrees on? I submit we don't. Lincoln talked about this in the 1860s. Stay tuned if you want to hear more about that. Rob uh, speaks of conservatism in terms of justice, truth, right, faith, and the challenge we have is the left, they change the terminology, some of it, so it's social justice or my truth, subjective truth. Uh, They have their own version of, uh, they think they're right, and um, they use faith only in uh, in selective moments for a political purpose. Rob, that that is the challenge, isn't it? It's it's that we don't have agreed upon definitions. Um, well,
1: uh, yes, and I agree with that. And I think a lot of it, if not most of it, has to do with everybody in the last forty years uh, has been denied the opportunity to get a classical liberal, in the good sense,
2: education,
1: and and I think that includes all of the all of the great books, you know, the Plato's Republic. Um, Aristotle's writings, you know, they talk about moral and intellectual virtues. They talk about logic and reasoning and, uh, you know, the existence of God. That's more of a Thomas Aquinas thing, I guess, natural law. Um, and, and again, uh, we're, we're uh, going through all the great philosophers, which I haven't completed the course yet. And then C.S. Lewis, of course, comes back to uh, sort of comes full circle around the uh, recovery of reason. Um, Oh, and by the way, I I had to look it up again. Yeah, the uh, instructor is Nathan Schluter, Nathan W. Schluter, who is doing the Hillsdale College um, Introduction to Philosophy course, which I I couldn't recommend strongly enough for all the listeners out there. Get on Hillsdale College, uh, sign up, and you'll probably understand better what I'm talking about and what, most importantly, Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle were talking about and all the great thinkers uh, throughout the last couple thousand years. I think that we own that, and I think we need to get that out so that uh, all of the the falsities that go on in day-to-day media coverage, in all the Washington nonsense, the AOC ridiculousness, and uh, the Democrats, I mean, they clearly are liars there's a lot that's changed yes no
0: but there's a lot that's changed um in the last 30 years did you ever see the movie uh based on the book by tom Wolfe, the bonfire of the vanities
1: i read the book yeah
0: the book is great but there's a scene in the movie and i know a lot of people tend not to like the movie i actually do and it's because of morgan freeman that i like the movie so much he plays the judge Ooh. And there's a character in there I, – I, we, we may use the audio. We don't need it just yet. But um, the, there's a character in there who plays Al Sharpton in his uh, rabble-rousing days, his street days of New okay. York, okay? And Leonard uh, White, the judge, uh, dismisses a case against uh, a white man, Sherman, right, who's wrongly accused. Right, right. And mm-hmm. in the middle of the courtroom, Al Sharpton jumps up and calls Leonard White, who's black, a racist. Okay, the judge is black and he calls him a racist and the judge stands up. Morgan Freeman stands up and he says, you dare call me racist. Well, I say unto you, what does it matter? The color of a man's skin if witnesses perjure themselves, if a prosecutor enlists the perjurers, when a district attorney throws a man to the mob for political gain. And when men of cloth, he's looking at Sharpton now, men of cloth, men of God take the prime cuts is that justice what's going on there is that sharpton there is shamed and leonard white the judge who proclaims that wins the day because we all understand what he's talking about justice the way plato Mm. talked about it what's true justice and the person calling racist and the person politicizing the law they're shamed boy has that changed in 30 years now well, you all did. you do—you do see my point? In thirty years, oh, sure. right? In thirty years, we no longer have this notion of re- real justice is, and all a man of the cloth has to do these days to be popular—look at the new senator from Georgia.
1: Oh no! Right, yeah. right—is <laughs> proclaim
0: yep. something yep. racist that he doesn't like, and you see the perversion of law. Didn't, wasn't a district attorney necessarily in the cases I'm thinking of and have in my head, but maybe U.S. attorneys and departments of justice who throw men to the mob for political gain. Think about yeah, how and, much that's been perverted and changed.
1: And that is not justice, nor is it truth, nor is it right.
0: That's right. That's right, Rob. Thank you, sir. Let me tell you what justice is, Leonard White says. Justice is the law. And the laws, man's feeble attempt to set down the principles of decency. Decency. And decency is not a deal. It isn't an angle or a contract or a hustle. It's what your grandmother taught you. It's in your bones. Now go home. Go home and be decent people. Boy, don't you want to say that to a lot of people, too. Portions of this show are brought to you by Balance of Nature, which I take every single day. All-natural, vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at the peak of ripeness, reduced using a unique cold press process into vegetarian capsules. One daily dose provides 31 different fruits and vegetables, giving you 10 servings of your fruits and vegetables. No sugar, no chemicals, no GMOs. Good potent stuff from apples and cherries and mangoes to cayenne and spinach and wheatgrass and carrots and kale. It's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. This is not a time to let your immunity go south, your energy go south, or to let yourself down with your health. Balance of nature is what keeps me strong every single day. And they have a great deal, 35% off and free shipping on any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800 246 or visit them at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Don is in Phoenix. Hello, Don.
2: Yeah, hi, I wanted to add to Rob's uh, definition of conservative. Yes, thing. sir. Yeah, well, um, I think it's harder to be a conservative. Um, yeah, being a conservative, you have to rely on inner strength. Uh, to stand up and do what's right, no matter the personal consequences. And, um, whereas the left, they just do whatever they want and they suffer no consequences. They, uh, they embrace their weakness for power and they foment people's insecurities, you know, to gain power. And, um, yeah, and they never seem to suffer any consequences for their actions. And, but the uh, difference between President Trump and AOC, you know, I've seen him stand up and do what's right all along, where she's just fomenting more insecurities over
0: everything. Yeah, as they tell us, he's a liar. Has anyone told a bigger lie than what she said about her experience on the Capitol Hill riots? Uh, you make an interesting point, Don. I wrote down what you said, inner strength rules. We live by rules and inner strength, consequences. They live by hypocrisy, no consequences, subjectivity. And thus, yes, right. It's harder to be a conservative. Who wants to live by rules and consequences when you can live by hypocrisy and no consequences, right? Uh, right. One is an easier road and one is a much harder road. And – uh It spills out, obviously, in a way to our politics that you're familiar with. Others have talked about this, that when you have the party that wants to give away the store and give away benefits versus the party that believes in personal responsibility, you know, um, what's more attractive? What's more attractive, a donut or a banana is another way of putting it, right? Um, it's, it's, It's really hard. It's much harder to convince people of truth and justice and rules and consequences as being good for them when they know they can live or when they are taught they can live and see that they can live by subjectivity, hypocrisy and no consequences, right? Absolutely right. It's absolutely the issue. Um, So we can have a moral force, I suppose – uh, and we can have a private um, morality that we hope spills into our – and we take with us into our, into our public spheres. That's, that's what most people of, uh, of, uh, of sincerity try and do, whether it's sincere faith or sincere morality from some other, from some other standard or font of wisdom. Or we can be anarchists. We can, um, we can be nihilists. We can believe in no higher standard. We can believe in no standards whatsoever. We can continue to say as scores in our schools go down and down and down, we can continue to say they should get more and more and more money and no reform. Uh, we can do the same with welfare policy. We can do the same with crime policy. We can do the same with foreign affairs and appease enemies and harm allies. As long as there's, you know, no price to be paid, why not take the easier easier path? There's a piece of Talmudic wisdom that goes something like this. There are two roads in life. One is long but appears short, and one is short but appears long. Weak conservatives are on that second road, right? It may look tough. It may look hard, but it's the easier path at the end of the day and at the end of your life. The left, the nihilists, the anarchists, they take that other road, the one that looks short but is actually long, right? The one that is the easier stepping stone or first step. But, you know, leads to some rather dire consequences at the end of the day. What is the price? What is the price? If it's COVID, what is the price of all the social and mental disturbance, dysfunction and social destruction? What is that price? It's going to be billions of dollars and many, 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 many tens of thousands of lives, if not hundreds of thousands of lives yet foreseen. If it's COVID, if it's welfare, what's the price of generational poverty after generation after generation? If it's criminal policy um, or crime policy, what is the price of property destruction, loss of life and limb, so that others may go free and be treated leniently who commit those crimes. What is the ultimate price of that? If it's fatherlessness, what is the price of that? In other words, these things that look easy, the easier route that end up being harder and longer in the in the end versus the hard stuff up front, consequences, hard America, rules, inner strength, morality, right, truth, and justice— which makes for a better society in the end. This is our eternal struggle. That's left versus right. Rob broached the issue of definitions and how we have uh, the same word with different meanings. No one talked about it better than Abraham Lincoln. I made reference to it. I shall close with it. He said this at a speech about a year before he died. And I just think it's beautiful. The world has never had a good definition of the word liberty, and the American people just now are much in want of one. We all declare for liberty, but in using the same word, we do not all mean the same thing. With some, the word liberty may mean for each man to do as he pleases with himself and the product of his labor, while with others, the same word may mean for some men to do as they please with other men and the product of other men's labor. Here are two, not only different, but incompatible things called by the same name, Liberty. And it follows that each of these things is by the respective parties called by two different and incompatible names, Liberty and Tyranny. He goes on. The shepherd drives the wolf from the sheep's throat, for which the sheep thanks the shepherd as a liberator, while the wolf denounces him for the same act as the destroyer of liberty, especially as the sheep was a black one. Plainly, the sheep and the wolf are not agreed upon a definition of the word liberty, and precisely the same difference prevails today among us human creatures, even in the north, and all professing to love liberty. Hence we behold the processes by which thousands are daily passing from under the yoke of bondage, hailed by some as the advance of liberty and bewailed by others as the destruction of all liberty." Recently, people have been doing something to define liberty, and thanks to them and what they have done, the Wolf's Dictionary has been repudiated. Yeah, let's take this man's name off of our schools. Nothing to learn from that is there. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth, and class is dismissed.